podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Armchair Cricket Podcast. News from Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast. News Digest. In this episode, we will take a look at the ongoing cricket news, both on and off the cricketing field. Today's edition, uh, we would like to first focus on the England versus Ireland ODIs, which have actually kicked off the uh, Men's ODI World Cup Super League. So, um, there are two ODIs that have actually happened uh, between England and Ireland. The first of which was held in Southampton on the 30th of July. In this ODI, Ireland were inserted to bat first. and they made only 172 it was a slow turgid sort of a progress from ireland they were not able to cope with the variety and the uh, efficiency with which the england bowlers were bowling uh, andy mcbrain made 40 batting at number 9 and uh, camfer the youngster who debuted in this game made an unbeaten 59 even though he took his time over it but that ensured you know uh, ireland came up with a fighting total but uh, the english openers looked in serious business with jason roy getting to 24 in no time at all even though bersto failed james wins picked up the scoring rate and in the end sam billings and owen morgan really accelerated and uh, england were able to win with more than 22 overs to spare so when it comes to bowling england had um, a lot of new faces because now that they have two separate squads one for odis and one for tests so david willey who's making a comeback to the england odi squad took a 5 for 5 for 30 and sajid mahmood uh, looking to you know make an impression on the english selectors took 2 for 36 in very rapid bowling adil rashid the uh, odi star as far as england spin fortunes are concerned took 1 for 26 and tom curran took 1 for 37 uh, there was not a lot to write home about the irish bowling except uh, craig young uh, managed to secure two wickets conceding 56 runs and andy mcbrain and uh, camfer took one wicket each uh, the second odi was played on 1st of august and in the same ground in southampton and the result was not a whole lot different as far as ireland were concerned in this case they chose to bat first and they put up a slightly healthier looking 212 for 9 thanks once again to camfer 68 cb singh made 25 and andy mcbrain kept him company with 24 towards the end of the innings but the top order of ireland again disappointed with paul sterling delaney andy balbarney all of these guys not really making a telling contribution only tector made a 28 from number 4 but um again english bowlers seemed a bit heavy the way the ireland players were looking to play them out it looked like there was a difference in the way these two teams had prepared so willie finished with two wickets and uh, in this case adil rashid took three and sajid mahmood took two as well reece topley playing in the 11 and james wins the surprise bowler took one wicket each coming out to chase uh, johnny bersto was batting like he had a point to prove um, he made a 41 ball 82 and the sort of sealed the match uh, with beyond any doubt he indicated after the match that this was his way of going about showing the selectors the english selectors that he still had a lot of hunger and wanted to get back to the you know the white uh, clothing cricket test cricket uh, he was supported well by james wins 16 tom banton made 15 and sam billings remained not out on 46 and david willey uh, in the end made uh, 47 at better than run a ball england really never looked in trouble even though they lost six wickets um the run rate always remained about six and a half runs an over and again they won this game with more than 17 overs to spare when it came to um irish bowling craig young took one um little took three and camfer 
took two wickets again, though they were all very costly. Now, if I were to take a quick look at some of the news from outside the cricketing field. So, the biggest news we would like to probably immediately discuss is that the IPL is now confirmed to be hosted in UAE. And uh, just some final Indian government clearances awaited, but the dates are already sort of put on paper. In the ICC governing body meeting, some expected points have come out about the IPL. So the IPL will take place uh, between September 19th with the final taking place on November 10th. And um, the governing council also set up some rules like there'll be a 24 player limit per squad and uh, there'll be an unlimited number of COVID-19 substitutes possible in this window. The IPL will have a 53-day window with uh, there'll be 10 double headers. Again, this looks like one of the longest IPLs ever scheduled given that with the eight-man tournament. And uh, at least the first 50% of IPL will be placed behind uh, closed doors. They'll be played behind closed doors. Um, maybe the second half might have 30 to 50% of the ground being filled up. We'll have to see how this goes. One of the other important things which has come out of this meeting is that IPL has decided to retain its major sponsor, Vivo, as the title sponsor. So there were some other, let's say, news being circulated about what might be the fate of the title sponsor, given the tensions between India and China. But let's say census prevailed and uh, the same company has been retained. So this comes as a real uh, you know, boost for uh, Indian cricket fans who have been waiting ever since IPL got indefinitely postponed in April this year. We can remember this. But uh, this looks like a very positive development. Also related to the same topic, we know that, you know, certain owners want very stringent conditions and very stringent tests to ensure that, you know, the bio bubble or the biosphere in which players will stay, uh, will remain, uh, you know, uh, disease free. So Neswadia, one of the co-owners of Kings Eleven Punjab, uh, wanted daily COVID testing for players and support staff. As far as we are concerned, the owners and the franchisee managers or let's say the management teams have not yet been invited and uh, this will shortly happen from BCCI. So I think there'll be some more updates we can expect to, let's say, the decisions that have been taken, some some more, let's say, news that will come out of this and we'll keep you posted about it. Also, another important thing, the Women's T20 Challenge, which has been kicked off um, in the last two seasons of IPL, will again be played this year with three teams taking part and four games to be held. And this will be held between November 1st and November 10th alongside the IPL, let's say the final round of matches and the finals. So this has actually kicked off a little bit of a controversy with certain international women's players like Susie Bates and uh, Alisa Healy not really happy that there is a clash of dates between WBBL and Women's T20 Challenge. WBBL, we may recollect, has actually already been planned and uh, it's also supposed to take place between October 17th and November 29th. You know, this will mean maybe there'll be three or four days where there'll be probably both the WBBL game as well as a you know, the Women's T20 Challenge game. Yeah, there's there may be a bit of, you know, disappointment from some of the players that they will not probably get to participate in both of these tournaments together. But, um, you know, it, it seems like an interesting thing as far as uh, clashing of women's cricket is concerned. It's a good thing. Going forward, uh, it's very common that we usually see that men's games clash with each other. Uh, there may be test cricket going on in one part of the world where at the same time maybe an ODI or a T20 is going on in another one. For example, 26th of December, the Boxing Day, usually in multiple Southern Hemisphere countries, we have test matches starting. So this is all a known thing, but this, I see it rather than as a conflicting news. We would like to say that this is a positive news that women's cricket is getting scheduled and, uh, you know, 
Ganguly indicated that there will also be a women's camp held simultaneously so that the Indian women's team can also prepare for any upcoming tours. So I would like to see this as a positive rather than as a negative. Going ahead, India is not the only cricketing board that's planning you know, T20 tournaments. So we have the Lanka Premier League. Uh, it is set to be kicked off on 28th of August. This cricket league is tournament which uh, Sri Lanka had already planned in 2012 and um, has not been able to host it. So this time they are planning to have a five-team, um, very, let's say, attractive tournament where they expect to attract uh, 17 international cricketers and maybe even 10 to 12 top-level coaches. So it will feature 23 games, we are told, and it is going to be held in Khetrama, Suriyaveva, Palakela and Dambula. So these are the, let's say, the four day-night international stadiums that have already been chosen and the rest of the logistics are being worked out. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Lanka Premier League unfolds, considering that, you know, many countries or players from many countries are not actually playing currently. Maybe there'll be a good turnout. But one of the tournaments that it may clash with is the CPL. So the Caribbean Premier League 2020 is slated to begin on 18th August and the final is set for 10th September. Let's say the entire uh, match schedule has been posted. And uh, yeah, it looks like the entire tournament will be hosted in Trinidad and Tobago, um, the islands of Trinidad and Tobago. And the matches are going to be split between Brian Lara Cricket Academy, Queen's Park Oval, and mostly the final also being held in the Brian Lara Cricket Academy. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, let's say, time for us cricket fans because by the end of this month, we can expect probably two you know, Premier Leagues to kick off. On top of this, there's always the English summer coming to an end with the English first-class season having just begun on August 1st and the Pakistan-England um, internationals, the tests also going on simultaneously. So all in all, a lot to look forward to if you're a cricket fan. At the same time, when it comes to women's touring, there is a little bit of a blow that Indian women's tour of uh, England, which was scheduled in September, has been called off, uh, unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 conditions. Similarly, another women's cricket team, the South African women's cricket team has suffered a little bit when three members of its players and support staff have tested positive and the names of the infected people have not actually been released. But uh, we will probably get to know more, a little bit more in the upcoming days about this. Another tournament that has unfortunately faced a little bit of a reversal is the Euro T20 Slam. So this we know was already sort of doubtful in 2020, but now it has definitely been postponed to 2021 because there are no definitive windows available where you know, the cricket boards of Ireland, Netherlands and Scotland are able to, you know, identify and hold this tournament. So it has definitely been postponed to 2021. So those of us who live in Netherlands uh, will continue to be disappointed, unfortunately, because this would have been a good tournament for, uh, you know, watching some international uh, stars coming to play. Moving on, in a sort of a bizarre uh, turn of events, the Afghan cricket board has sacked its chief executive, Lutful Astaniksai, for mismanagement, unsatisfactory performance and misbehavior with managers. So there is a detailed letter that ha it has written to its uh, former chief executive and this has been, let's say, published on certain um, sites, cricketing sites. So uh, we'll probably keep you posted on how this, this story evolves. Moving on, uh, in another fairly bizarre turn of events, it's just come to light that a company that's based out of Isle of Man, a company called as Broadsheet LLC, which previously had a contract with the Pakistan government and the National Accountability Bureau of Pakistan. The, apparently, there have been some arrears owed to them, Broadsheet LLC, and they have threatened to seize the assets of the Pakistani cricket team that's currently touring the UK. 
However, not a lot of action has happened on this because PCB is an independent body and it's not as such associated with the government of Pakistan uh, and its assets cannot be seized in this way. But nonetheless, it's sort of a bit of a spicy news on the sidelines, whereas the cricket team of Pakistan is uh, probably, you know, preparing very hard for the upcoming series against England. In another interesting news, the Supreme Court of India have deferred the Saurav Ganguly Jaisha extension matter to mid-August. So in a couple of weeks, we will get to know more. Uh, August 17th is the date set by the Supreme Court. Whether these two office bearers whose uh, uh, terms were supposed to end because of, uh, you know, the previously set deadline that uh, they cannot uh, continue for more than six years in a row and they have to take a three-year cool-off period. Uh, there has been some uh, petitions and counter-petitions filed in the Indian Supreme Court to try to negate this. For now, there is no there is no update on this and the Supreme Court will give us a decision on the 17th of August. In another interesting news, Umar Akmal, the Beth Mar of uh, Pakistan cricket, he had previously been slapped with a three-year ban, but an independent adjudicator has halved this ban to 18 months. Um, the independent adjudicator is uh, Judge Fakir Mohammad Khokar, retired, a former Pakistan Supreme Court judge. And uh, this justice has actually determined that, you know, maybe the ban of three years would have been too harsh. And this has been halved. Um, but nonetheless, this this is still a bit of a blow for Akmal, given that he's now uh, 30, maybe, you know. They say if you're a batsman, you're probably most productive years are between no, 28 to 32, 33, and a major part of it might be lost. Nonetheless, let's say once he comes back, he's able to make up the time in a very effective manner. So we earlier had a quick chat about the Men's ODI World Cup Super League. So what is this? So this is basically a road to the 2023 World Cup where there are 13 teams that will be involved and 156 matches. Every one-day international that's going to be played between these 13 teams, the 13 teams include Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Ireland, and Netherlands, will be a part of this ODI Super League and there will be a point system which determines which are the top seven teams that will qualify and which are the teams that then go into a playoff with six other associate nations to become the two teams that will qualify for the finals. So seven teams and India, who is the host of the upcoming 50-hour World Cup, would already qualify. So this has been uh, sort of set in uh, motion. This is again a very good way of making some bilateral ODI tournaments have some relevance. So this is a very good move by ICC again. So, these were all uh, some of the most interesting news that we wanted to discuss in this episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast News Digest. You can always write into us as well. You can always contact us at Armchair Cricket Pod on Twitter or armchair.cricket at gmail.com or leave us a comment in any of the podcasting apps that you can, that you use to listen to us. All of these are available in the episode notes. So, hope you do stay tuned in. Uh, continue listening to Armchair Cricket Podcast. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. The Armchair Cricket Podcast, News Roundup.